This is Jeremy Bassetti, and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Joanna Haugen is the founder of Rooted Storytelling, an organization interested in ethical journalism and tourism. She has created a new online course for travel writers and content creators called Responsible Travel Writing, which helps writers think about their work in a way that impacts local communities, the environment, and the travel industry in better, more sustainable ways. Joanna is offering a 10% discount for listeners of Travel Writing World through December 31st, 2020. For the discount code and links to Rooted, visit travelwritingworld.com slash rooted. Joanna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me today, Jeremy. So you have a new online course called Responsible Travel Writing, and it is a premium self-paced course, I think, aimed at travel writers and journalists. And I haven't seen the course itself yet, but you were nice enough to send me uh, an outline of the course. And I'm not getting any kickback for saying this, but it does appear to be like a robust course full of some timely um, and important information. Um, so before we, we jump in to, to talk about that course, which it sounds really interesting, can you tell us a little bit about your background as a travel writer and journalist? Sure. I have been working in the travel and tourism space for more than a decade, and I really did start as a consumer-facing travel writer, like many of your listeners are, writing for magazines like in-flight magazines and you know BBC, CNN Go, and you know all these great publications. I did that for five years. And had a wonderful time. You know, it really is that dream job where you travel all over the world. And I, like, I think some travel writers got to a point where I was starting to feel a bit burned out, where I was starting to feel a little bit jaded with the industry. I found myself kind of asking some questions about um, whether what I was doing was the right thing for the planet, for people I was encountering. So I decided to take a break from consumer-facing travel writing after five years and uh, moved abroad to Ukraine from the United States, where I live now, uh, in Kiev, Ukraine. And I decided to turn my focus to the, the industry side of writing and communications. So I worked for... Um, well, I've worked for a variety of clients in tourism, in communications positions, but probably the most relevant is that I was the editor for Adventure Travel News, which is the publication for the Adventure Travel Trade Association. And in that position, I began to realize that there is this big gap between those who are working in the industry, like destination representatives and tour operators, and travelers who they're trying to reach and sell their products to. And that big gap is filled in large part with content creators, travel writers, um, influencers. And so, you know, I was working in this 
space first on the consumer side as a writer and then on the B2B side as an editor. And that's when I started to put together the pieces that have led me to where I am today. Um, And I continue to write, I continue to edit, but I do it on the industry side rather rather than on the consumer side. Okay, got it. Um, You you mentioned being uh, burnt out and jaded when you were in on the com- consumer side of the industry, when you were writing articles, I'm just curious because it, it might inform the reasons why you put together your course. Um, what were some of the reasons that uh, you got burned out? Why were you jaded? What were you know, the burning questions that made you rethink what you were doing? Yes. Yeah, so in the course of my work, I encountered a lot of questionable ethical situations that I know other travel writers are encountering things like ethical questions about press trips and whether it's appropriate to be writing about potentially damaging activities if that's not the main focus, but if you have a host who's you know paying for the experience. I remember, for example, being on a cruise and they showed us the, you know, recycling spot in the cruise ship. And I remember justifying to myself that cruising was okay because look, there is this whole recycling center down here. And it was just kind of those situations where I felt myself starting to justify some of the things that I was encountering, some of the things I was being asked to write about. And then the other thing that was happening is that I felt like a lot of the work that I was doing was falling into these same common uh, formats, the listicle, the top 10, the must-see items. I lived in Las Vegas at the time. And I mean, there are only so many ways that you can write about the top hotels and the top buffets and and all this stuff. And I, and I knew there had to be a better way and it wasn't what I was doing. Um, I actually had a, a guidebook assignment one time I was rewriting a Las Vegas guidebook. And I wanted to update it with information about new local attractions that local people were interested in and that were supporting local businesses. And I actually had the editor tell me, yeah, but that's not the way people think Las Vegas is like. That's not what they believe it is. And I I remember thinking to myself, travel writers are hired because they're the ones doing the work on the ground and, and to try to continue to perpetuate the stories that are not necessarily correct and even damaging at times just felt really disingenuine to me. And I knew I had to step away. I couldn't keep doing work like that. Mm. So it seems that the issues that you you had were, were multiple, some dealing with the writing side of being a travel writer, but also some on the travel side of being a travel writer, both the travel and the writing portion of yeah. it were some serious well, issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And and I think that's where, you know, responsible travel writing comes in. There are, you know, three, in my mind, three key areas of responsible travel writing. And um, one is the way you approach your stories on the ground, uh, thinking about like your perspective and your 
bias that you bring to a story, thinking about who you're interviewing and why. Then there's your process of writing. So that would be your article formats, like these listicles and the word choices you're using. But then, and I think this part is grossly overlooked, is the role that a travel writer plays as a global citizen with influence. And so, yes, I was certainly feeling conflict in um, all three of those areas. Yeah. So when I was flipping through your your outline, um, the, the outline that you sent me about the course, um, I did come across something that, of course, I knew, but it, it struck me as um, articulated very well. Um, and it's something that you just addressed here, the role of a travel writer and the influence he or she has on the kind of tourism industry. And, you know, when I came across this, it reminded me of, of the, in, in some ways, the power of commercial travel writing and that it really influences the decisions that holiday makers and holiday goers uh, make, right? It, ter- it determines where they go and how they spend their money. But on the other side of that, it also determines and affects local communities and environments and, you know, where the travelers mm-hmm. are going to. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I think one of the things that a lot of travel writers don't think about is they're so engrossed in the whole process. They're there on the ground. They're aware of the situation around them. They're the ones who are doing these ethical debates in their head. But ultimately, what ends up in the hands of readers is the 800 words, the headline, and the image. And that has a huge influence on whether somebody's going to take a holiday where they're going to go, how they're going to travel, what their expectations are. That's a lot of weight in a very small amount of content. And uh, travel writers really need to think about that, you know, this isn't just a throwaway article. This influences the way people travel, how they travel, and the impact, both positive or negative, those travelers have on the communities they visit. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, can we just jump into this? Your, your course is called Responsible Travel Writing, of course. And I, and I guess the, the title itself alludes to its content and what we've been talking about for the last few minutes can give listeners a sense of what's it all about. But can you just like break it down a little bit more? Um, sure. Can you give us like an overview of, of the course? What are some of the, the topics that you cover? So the course is self-paced, as you mentioned. It's 11 modules that covers 55 lessons. It's 30,000 words, videos, webinars, interviews with experts. I feel very grateful that a number of experts and actually editors were willing to share their insight with me. And so their expertise is scattered throughout the entire course. And so this is all self-paced. You can go through this in any order that you want, uh, touch on any topics that you want. But really what it does is it starts with talking about what responsible travel writing is and why it's important that it talks about the theoretical ideas that travel writers need to be thinking about, like perception, subjectivity, bias, and how that plays into, for example, some of the colonialism that is impaired in travel writing and how travel writing continues to uh, oppress and silence some voices. Then it moves into a section on word choice and article structure, so more of those technical aspects. 
then talking about writing about place and people. And part of the people section has to do with ethical interviewing skills. And then it closes out with a module on social media. So really taking what you've learned throughout the whole course and then applying it to your social media platforms. Because uh, travel writers, of course, are very influential through their written word as travel writers, but then also many of them are very uh, visible on social media. So how can you move what you've learned as a travel writer into the social sphere? Mm. Is is this a course that's designed specifically for travel journalists, or does it have a, a broader kind of focus? So. Yeah, so I, I would say that this course is relevant to anybody who's a travel writer. Uh, I think it's a great place for beginners to start because, you know, what's the best way to start your career than the most responsible and ethical way? But I would also say that those who have been travel writers or um, travel bloggers even will definitely find something new in this course or new ways of thinking about their work or new considerations and ways to approach their work. I would also say that there is value in this course for people who are travel editors because so much of uh, travel writing is, you know, based in this foundation of, of the media model, which is heavily influenced by sponsorship and advertising. And I found it really interesting, some of the feedback that I received from editors who also said, I'm still learning. I want to have these relationships with writers. We learn from each other. Mm. And so this is also a great place for uh, travel editors to you know, elevate their skills as well. So I would say, quite frankly, anybody who is dabbling in travel writing, travel blogging, or editing in this space, this would be relevant for. I'm so glad that you brought up the the editor component here. Um, it's a component that uh, many people often don't think about. I, just just recently, Manisha Rajesh, she's been on the podcast before. She recently tweeted showing us how one of her recent articles about Darjeeling had been whitewashed by some of her editors. So basically what she did is she she tweeted her original paragraph of her original writing. And then on the other side, she showed us you know, how it had been edited. And the editing wasn't too drastic, but one of her sentences, it, it referenced something about like the <laughs> rampaging British Raj or something like that. And, and that part of the section or that part of the sentence had been completely removed by the editor. And it might not seem like a big deal, but it's an example of, you know, the power of the editor and another example of how truth and things that aren't controversial to say are, are whitewashed by by editors. Like, why would somebody remove something that's, that's not controversial at all? This type of thing happens in travel writing so much, especially commercially-faced travel writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What I would say is one of the things that I think travel writers and travel editors need to really think about is that for so long, travel writing has kind of been considered this soft form of journalism. And it really feeds into the tourism model and mold as a whole. And that is that travel is comfortable. It's clean. It's happy. It's not complicated or complex. And this has caused a lot of problems 
in destinations, for communities where people are visiting, and, and it's perpetuated by travel media. Um, you know, when we talk about irresponsible travel writing, it's setting up the traveler to expect a sanitized version of a holiday. And that has very serious repercussions. So when we're talking about whitewashing content, that is part of that damage. It continues to silence people who have been silenced for far too long. It continues to oppress marginalized populations. It sets up incorrect expectations about a destination. And again, it's only a sentence in that article, but it is a, you know, it's article on article on article on years and years of, of travel media. And, and it, it needs to change because it's, it's doing a lot of harm, quite frankly. Mm, yeah, totally, totally agree. When you mentioned the sanitized experiences, I'm thinking, you know, a lot about uh, some of the Caribbean travel that, that we know and uh, that we're sold in, in the media. My mother's Dominican and, you know, when I go and visit, she lives in a part of the island that isn't very touristy. And uh, sometimes, you know, tourists do venture <laughs> into her town. And um, it's an eye-opening experience for many of them because uh, what they're sold are these siloed off prisons, you know, behind the walls. And, you know, people are bringing them drinks and coconuts and pineapples and things. But um, this is what they're sold. And it's, it's frustrating on, on several levels because this is not how it is, you know, this is not how life is uh, on one hand. And on the other hand, that type of tourism is changing communities in, in, in many ways um, and n- not in all positive ways. Some of those uh, um, hotels and resorts are not even locally owned. So many of that money is being funneled off into foreign bank accounts in the local population. They're not benefiting from those kind of tourist dollars as, as we might expect. So travel writing in some ways can be damaging. Just a quick note and we'll get right back to the episode. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app or consider supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com slash support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's travel writing. It's it's choosing what a writer is going to emphasize. They have to think about what story they want to tell. Their personal baggage and expectations lead them to have certain expectations about their experience. It guides the questions they ask. You know, and all of these things that travel writers need to be thinking about their own bias, their own perception, their own history with colonialism, their own privilege. These all shape the work that they're putting out there in, you know, in their articles. But then I would say the other problem, and and when we talk about content, we're also talking about the imagery that goes with that. We're talking about the headline that goes with that. So there's really this whole package. And again, this is one piece of what a traveler is seeing that shapes their expectations and their belief about what they're going to encounter when they travel somewhere. And um, it, it has done a lot of harm ecologically, culturally, socially. And, and it, it's sad to see, but I also, you know, I, I hold hope that um, travel writers, they want to do the right thing because without, without tourism, they don't have jobs, right? right? So there is an opportunity to do better. And I, I do believe that, that they want to do better. They just mm-hmm. might not know how. 
And to your point about the headlines and the images, and you know, this is a nice uh, just circling back to the editor point. Many of the headlines and the images, those are not even selected or uh, written by the the writer of the piece itself. The editors are are writing those because you know, frankly, they think it's going to sell. Yeah. And, you know, I I go into that in my course a bit. I have a whole section about working with editors. And I I asked the editors that contributed to the course, can people ask if they can be involved with the whole process? Can they provide insight on headlines? What should they do if they feel something was misrepresented? And again, you know, editors are working under weird time crunches. They're working with expectations regarding advertisers and sponsors and maybe some corporate clients at their airline magazines, if those ever come back. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, they don't, the thing is editors want to put out um, material that doesn't embarrass them as well. And I think people are waking up to the damage or at least waking up to the realization that some of what we're being sold in the media is not an accurate representation of an actual narrative. And so, you know, maybe things are changing, but you're absolutely right. A lot of writers don't have any control over that. But I would I would say to travel writers, ask, ask to be part of that process. Let your interests be known. The worst that can happen is that a, an editor says no but I know far too many writers who are embarrassed or um, feel humiliated by an article that was somehow edited out of their control. And what good does that article do? That hurts your own reputation. So mm-hmm. I really think travel writers need to at least attempt to take a more active role in the editing process. So it was a good point uh, that you made about editors and publications not wanting to have content that somehow embarrasses themselves or jeopardize, you know, their own position. Like, why would an in-flight magazine want to publish a piece that kind of exposes the environmental damage that travel and tourism is doing? Like, I, I get that. But how how should a, a travel writer kind of approach these more... Um, I guess, difficult questions. So if, if a travel writer kind of depends on, you know, these muddied interests and publishers and the tourism industry, how could a, a travel writer who wants to, I guess, be more real about what's going on environmentally, for example, how might they approach, you know, pitching and writing about this subject that publishers and ed- editors might not want to touch? Uh, well, I mean, an an editor or publication that doesn't want to touch a certain topic isn't going to accept a pitch about it. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, in-flight magazines are not interested in covering anything that talks about carbon emissions and stop. It's just not going to happen. What I would say, though, is that there is an opportunity to rethink the way that we do travel writing from moving from like this soft form of, you know, journalism or, or writing, as we were talking about, that's the top 10 list and very sanitized and very clean and really start um, thinking about flipping the script so that we're helping to empower travelers to be part of the solution rather than contributing to the ongoing problems that tourism is creating. So, you know, there are 
for example, um, you know, you were talking earlier about hotels that cause leakage in communities. It's not benefiting communities. So that's just, for example, one issue that's happening when travelers are, are visiting a place. But there are a lot of what they call invisible burdens of travel. So, for example, travelers are using maybe scarce water resources or their garbage needs to be taken care of and there's nowhere to take their garbage or there are there's a lot of food waste or endangered animals or I mean any host of environmental issues social cultural issues so what i would love to see more travel writers do is look at these challenges find these challenges and be willing to talk about these challenges but not in like this doomsday way, right? Like nobody wants to go on a vacation and feel like they're just like, you know, wasting food and causing problems. However, there is a way to approach a subject that helps turn a passive traveler into an engaged traveler, somebody who is interested and willing to change their behavior. And that is by infusing optimism, hope and self-efficacy and by surfacing solutions that are taking place in the destinations where they're visiting. So I would like to see more travel writing, for example, that talks about like the Great Barrier Reef uh, coral bleaching and the really interesting local groups that are doing really powerful trips and talks and engaging local people in helping to save those reefs. How can travelers participate in activities on the Great Barrier Reef while supporting these initiatives and learning about climate emer- the climate emergency in the larger scale. So turning them from, you know, your passive snorkeler into an engaged traveler taking part in this activity and giving back and supporting in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Those are the travel stories I think are really powerful. Okay. So I, I, I remember reading somewhere in, in the outline that you sent um, something about the history of white saviorism and that you know that kind of travel and i i don't mean this question to to be challenging in that way i'm just genuinely curious about this at what point would an engaged traveler on the level that you're you're speaking about turn into some sort of saviorism that that you refer to in 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 your course certainly it's not on any traveler or any travel writer to promote coming into a destination and, you know, saving the day. What what I am advocating is finding solutions that are based at the community level that already exist, the people who are already doing the work mm. and supporting what they do by, you know, taking the tour or participating in a beach cleanup or attending a, a, some sort of like interactive walk and talk about some sort of local challenge. So this isn't about coming in to save the day or using your money to, you know, make sure that these poor people are, are able to do their work. This is really about learning about these challenges, learning about a destination at a very real level in, in a way that is very meaningful, you know, because so many destinations have just kind of been painted to look like one another. When you were talking about drinking the coconuts on the beach and the pineapple and the palm trees, that could have been any one of a number of destinations. 
But the stories that make them interesting are the people and their historical and cultural context and the work they're doing and the initiatives they're involved in. So this is really about finding those stories and surfacing those in a way that allow and encourage travelers to become more engaged with the destination in a way where they're active participants in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really, really like that, that response, Um, you know, learning about these issues, learning about culture. I mean, that's, you know, what is really what is travel when people aren't learning, (laughs) you know, about the cultures that they're visiting, you know, we can argue that it really isn't uh, travel, but learning about uh, a new, new space or the issues that a kind of destination faces because of travel and tourism, um, I think is also to acknowledge one's own biases and one's own blind spots and one's own privilege, and which can be very helpful um, from the context of a traveler, but also uh, for a travel writer to think about. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, travel is a, an activity that was defined by people who are privileged, white, tend to be, you know, from a a Western nation. And this is the narrative that has continued to be perpetuated in travel writing. And so, you know, travel writers need to understand their personal bias and their personal history and perspective and how, uh, first of all, acknowledging it exists. It is there. It is what it is. And then understanding how that perspective plays into the way that they experience a destination that plays into how they communicate with people or uh, traditions or culture or, you know, their thoughts on the local foods. Like, you know, how does your history shape your current experience? And then taking that knowledge of what your perspective is and just being very aware of how that shapes the writing that you put out in the world. You know, it your personal history that we're, you know, we each have our own baggage. This determines what you write and how you write it. And that has a huge impact on the readers who read it. I think that this whole idea that travel has been built on this foundation of colonialism, I mean, that's very true. And travel writing continues to keep it in its place. So travel writers have a great opportunity and responsibility to help dismantle that. Mm -hmm. Well, we're um, almost out of time here, but I wanted to ask you if you could, I don't know, just give us like a little morsel here of, you know, a takeaway that, you know, how could someone, you know, make their travel writing more responsible? Like, what would you say is like the most important or one of the most important points of action or uh, best practices for one who hasn't thought much about this to make their own travel writing more responsible? I would really like to see travel writers think of themselves as something other than travel writers. What would happen if travel writers approached their work as environmental and cultural ambassadors? I mean, right now we write about destinations as a nice place to visit, but what if you took your job one step further and really advocated for a better world that you work in? And you know, there are a lot of ways that you can incorporate this idea in your work 
but simply having the mindset that you are an ambassador for the places you go and the people you visit and the experiences that you have. I mean, that's a really powerful shift right there in how you will approach your work. Because, I mean, here here's the truth. If we don't advocate for a more ethical and equitable and sustainable future for tourism in general, it's not going to exist. And without tourism, there's no job for travel writers. And so this would be my my challenge and my invitation to the listeners is to start thinking about the true importance and weight and opportunity that your job as a travel writer carries in this world. So you you might uh, make me change my podcast name <laughs> from travel writing world to something else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it was it was really great to uh, speak with you today. Can you just let us know where we can find you and uh, more about your course online? Sure, uh, you can learn about the course at rootedstorytelling.com. Uh, It's under a section called courses, and there's also a section for content creators that has a link to the course and materials created for specifically for content creators. Um, So you can find everything at rootedstorytelling.com. That's where you will also find, uh, find all my social handles, the most important one probably being Instagram at rootedstorytelling. And so that's R-O-O-T-E-D, rooted, right? Yes, that's right. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Your course does look interesting. And with that outline that you sent me, you know, it's definitely um, eye-opening. So thank you uh, so much for coming on to the podcast and, and, and good luck to you. Thanks so much for having me today, Jeremy. It's been wonderful. Joanna is offering a 10% discount for listeners of Travel Writing World through December 31st, 2020. For the discount code and links to Rooted, visit travelwritingworld.com rooted. You can find the episode show notes and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com support.